Writer-director Adamo Ibo and producer Adane Ibo debuted their film Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul this year at the Sundance Film Festival. After a major scandal rocks the congregation of the Wonder to Greater Past Church, Pastor Lee Curtis Childs, played by Sterling K. Brown, and his wife Trinity, played by Regina Hall, attempt to bring his flock back home. The Ebo sisters sit down with us to talk about their journey to finding their way behind the camera lens, love for all things anime, and how pivotal growing up in Atlanta was to their storytelling and showing the vastness that is blackness. I'm Denny. And I'm Veronica. Stay with us on this episode of the Vulgar Geniuses Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Vulgar Geniuses Podcast. We're your hosts. My name is Denny. And I am Veronica. And today we are joined by two very special guests. This is a first for us on the Vulgar Geniuses podcast. And um, we are utterly excited to have them on. We have Adama and Adane Ibo. They are Nigerian-American identical twins who write, direct, and produce together as a duo. Adama wrote and directed Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul, with Adane producing. Both wrote on Mr. and Mrs., an upcoming series from Phoebe Waller-Bridge and Donald Glover for Amazon. They also wrote for Julie Plex Girls on the Bus for Netflix, WBTV, and just staffed on HBO Max's new animated Batman series. They have several projects in development. Adama and Adane are both Spelman College graduates and 2019 Sundance Episodic Lab fellows. Adama is a UCLA film school graduate and 2019 Sundance screenwriting fellow who daydreams about the perfect keyblade design. And Adane is a 2019 project involved fellow and Northwestern Law School graduate who is training to become the avatar, master of all four elements. Thank you, ladies. Thank you uh, for coming onto our show. How y'all doing today? We're doing good. Doing We're not well. gonna lie. We are tired. We are tired. We just had some Tito's trying to get this energy up. It's been a long <laughs> couple of days, but we're doing good. We've yeah, been very blessed and happy to be here. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. I know y'all have been very busy these last few days. And I know this morning was the last showing of your film, Honk for Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul. So we just want to say congratulations on your Sundance um, Film Festival debut. Um, will you give us a quick synopsis of your film for those who didn't get a chance to see it? Yeah, for sure. Um, Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul is a satirical dark comedy, part faux documentary um, about the first lady of a Southern Baptist megachurch and how she and her pastor husband attempt to rebuild their congregation after a scandal mm. so before we get into our our <laughs> questions that we've written for you all um our very first and very important one was when we bought our ticket uh to Sundance I thought for sure we were going to get a wonder to greater past church swag bag complete with the church fan <laughs> and a union wafer and one of those tiny bottles of anointed oil uh, she got her prayer journal though so we were just <laughs> I saw I think it was your your uh the other production company that was part of the film pinky pinky finger is it called? Pinky promise pinky promise they had a in their stories a church friend were y'all giving those out 
we so we when some before Sundance uh turned virtual we had a whole bunch of swag stuff that we were going to give out at the premiere um but unfortunately that couldn't happen um we did end up sending out a couple of swag boxes to a few people but uh yeah we got some church fans if y'all want one. Oh yeah yeah you know we'll pay for shipping i want one of those <laughs> give us that merch all right so my question is for adama so hung for jesus save your soul it it um it started out as a written full-length film and then uh when you, it was first shot it was a, a short that premiered mm -hmm. on uh Issa Rae's short film sunday series in 2019 i think so mm -hmm. now it's back to full-length film how did you all decide on making it a short first and then making this transition into a full-length yeah, for sure. Um, there were a couple of reasons. Um, I, I think, you know, short films are, are could be really valuable as proof of concepts if you have a larger story in mind, and so people could get a taste of, of what you of, of what you're trying to do. But for my film specifically, I knew that I was trying to um, really take some take some swings with the tone um, and take some swings with the format um, of of how it have of how it's shot. And so uh, I wanted to, to be able to show people, look, I have this script written. It's written as like part faux documentary. Um, it sort of runs the tonal gambit, like starts very comedic and then gets pretty dark. Um, and, you know, a lot of, that could be frightening for some people. And so I wanted to be able to be like, look, I did it. This is what it's going to be like, uh, just longer. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. It it definitely I had an opportunity to watch the short before I watched the the full length, and you can definitely see where you have dived in more on the dramatic end of the the telling of the story. But it's both of them are straight up hilarious, and I can't wait for other people to have this opportunity to watch it in the in the future. And I was just curious, you know, you all you all filmed this particular project, I guess, during the pandemic. What was that whole process like for you all? versus when you did your short many years ago. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting. It didn't feel crazy different because the story, both stories are um, fairly contained. It's it's not a plot-driven movie. It's it's a character study. And so it's it's usually about, you know, a few characters at a time, mostly two interacting with each other. Uh, and so luckily it, it was a story that lent itself well to the to the constraints of the pandemic because we didn't necessarily need a whole bunch of extras or, or, you know, like close, close scenes with, with most of the actors. Um, and for the scenes where we did need a lot more, like we needed to fill up this mega church, we were, we were able to use um, a lot of the existing footage from the actual church that we shot at and, and just like, and incorporate it into the film. So it ended up working out, but mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, it's tough. It, we shot in June and July in Atlanta. So it was hot and being in the mass didn't help. Yeah. Um, but it is like, you know, it, it was different being on set. To, we had like particular zones, you know, yeah. in order to keep people safe, uh, safe and more separated. And uh, we worked with this great organization called Project Indie Hope that did all of our COVID compliance stuff, and they made things pretty seamless. Yeah, but it, it was a little different. But we, I think, you get used to it. Like after, you know, we had to get tested every single day. Um, it just becomes part of the machine. Yeah, becomes part of it. Adana, as I guess as a producer, it's part of your job like to seek out where you want the film to be, the settings and everything, or do you all both work together and figure out, okay, we want to shoot at this church or at this particular mall? 
Yeah, it was. Yeah, that, I mean, we both worked together together to do that. But um, yeah, I, I definitely as a director, I have like a specific vision right. for the film. Um, and so uh, I, I'm like, this is how I want the church to look. What are our options? And Adane will track down those options and get like a lot of the logistics settled. We work with a location manager and coordinator mm -hmm. and all that as well, who actually uh, would be boots on the ground before we get to the production site. But uh, the church, the main location of the film, of the short, the entire location of the short, and then the main location of the feature film. Um, uh, I did, I, for the short film, I ended up, I did all of that correspondence because yeah. we were, you know, it was a short film, smaller budget. So I had to do more work on my own, but um, yeah, I was, I, I did that. I, I sourced the church and that ended up being the same church that we used in the feature. And we just had that established relationship already. That's what's up. Yeah. Because speaking of like churches, when I, when I saw it, I'm like, they like just location wise, I think it was really perfect. Like when they were describing like how to turn, like when to come in, like how to turn on the fountain. And I was just like, I was, I was like, I'm already dying. I'm like, we're, we haven't even like been on the, the middle part. We're just showing the church. And then like going up to like, you know, the pulpit and then having the, like the regular five. And I'm, I, oh, the mighty five. Yes. I, I, I was losing it. So thank you for all that happiness and fun that you gave me that day <laughs> but, so talking about you know the baptist mega churches are a way of life for many you know black people in the south um i grew up in the philippines so was an immigrant um church is also a very big thing mm -hmm. it controls our lives <laughs> back there we control it's over everything that we do yeah. so <laughs> the presentation of this culture but might be unusual for others um but for me it was like oh I get that you yeah. know like even meant like specific decisions that you would have to do in your life like they everybody's involved mm -hmm. um so to me that was kind of nostalgic because I'm like I understand the crazy yeah. <laughs> I, I understand like where you were trying to take the film at but sometimes you know in this storytelling process, there are other people that might not be accustomed to to all of this, um, like culture or all of this, like you know, showmanship. Um, so for then for don't for those people that didn't grow up um, understanding this culture, um, how were how were how are you able to kind of like um, express that or like how did you bridge kind of like the gap on how to you know just further explain the story. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, the, there, there's real universality, universality in, in specifics. Mm -hmm. and, and so like, you know, the specific, the, the aspects that seem like super culturally specific um, are, could just be flavor for, for some people, but, but the, the part of it that's universal, I think, is the emotion of the story, which is like, you know, feeling trapped, um, you know, feeling like there's this sort of like oppressive institution over you, um, feeling unhappy in your relationship, feeling like you are carrying this, this large burden. And so I, I feel like that helps bridge a lot of the elements that people may not be familiar with or, mm -hmm. or you know, may not be able to directly or personally connect with um, because they can connect with the emotion of the story. Mm -hmm. 
uh, I, I want to say a, one of the parts that I love the most about this film was the music. And so you have this film that opens and closes between like a three, six mafia um, <laughs> popping my collar and Fred Hammonds. Are you ready for your blessing? And with one, which is both of them are my, my favorites, but definitely Fred Hammond, that particular album is like his magnus opus to me. Um, and then you have Nuck If You Buck strategically, I can't speak, um, <laughs> placed in the middle. All of them are bops. Um, Adama, will you walk us through with how you decided what songs you wanted to use in your film and the importance of choosing to start with the hip hop song with the juxtaposition of it being layered over Pastor Child's sermon as he flaunts his favor from the Lord? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the musical decisions, uh, I think, come from where where I found myself at, at the time that I started to really like question things about about the church and about my personal faith, uh, which is uh, we're millennials. So it was like, it was in like the 2000s. And what's interesting about uh, black folks is that they are, especially Southern black folks is, is that they are like very much steeped in their, in their faith and their religion, um, specifically Christians. But it's it's so fascinating. It's like it's, it's, there's a saying is like I, I might see you at night in the club on Saturday, but I'm gonna see you Sunday morning in church. Mm -hmm. And there it's it's almost like there's this strange mesh where like it's a duality. It's a duality yeah. where where you know we like to have fun, we like to turn up, but we also like to praise God. And I really wanted that that specific aspect of of black culture, specifically black Southern Baptist mega church culture, to come through mm -hmm. immediately. And so I, I, I worked really hard to like juxtapose those images uh, with with the music um, and these characters with with the music, um, and and then also like you know popping my collar specifically I was it was just perfect for I think the gravitas and 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 you know the, the attitude and the performance and the presentation of a lot of of big mega church people it's like a lot of them are, it's it's all about the swag. You know, mm -hmm. it's like God comes first and swag comes second. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, and Papa My Collar really, really embodies that. Um, yeah. And I think, I think we also wanted to show that, that church for, church is also a turn up. Yeah. You know, it is like, it's, I, there, there are some faiths and some denominations where church is, is more muted or a little bit more somber, but that's not the church that we grew up experiencing. No. It is a straight, it's, it's almost like a, a party. Uh, especially when you get to the praise and worship section, it, it, it's a straight up party. And so that's why I think it was really, first of all, we talked a lot about not having too much gospel music in it because yeah. we didn't want to feel, this isn't like a, um, uh, it, it's not a faith, it's not a church movie. Like it's not, it's <laughs> not like we're not, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, it's not one of those Christian movies that they yeah, like to play. Not. Like. It's one of those <laughs> movies for sure. Not. Um, but we knew that we wanted to close out on the film with the gospel. I, I think I thought of the Fred. Yeah, I mean, it's, Fred I mean Let the Praise Begin is one of our favorite gospel yeah. songs of all time, specifically like the live the version, live version that we, that, that's in the that's in the uh, in the film. And Saturna. and there were a number of reasons. I think the majority of, a big reason was that we hadn't had really much gospel up until the very end. Mm -hmm. um, but also, you know the tone definitely starts yeah. to change and shift as the film goes on. And, and 
really mixed together in in a weird yeah. way and and we wanted to make sure there felt like there was an element of of hope at, at the end of the film and like and gospel you know makes you feel good mm-hmm. 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 uh regina hall and sterling k <laughs> brown they're they're hollywood elites and their work in this film is hilarious and complex um and it's just pure comedy gold uh so teaming up with them was genius it speaks volumes uh when someone believes in your art so much that what you're creating that they're willing to put their money on it what was it to have them not only be involved as actors but also as producers along with along with you all in this making of this film it was it was great. They yeah. they it's it's like you said. They they believed in the project and they believed in in the vision. And you know, it's Regina Hall and Sterling K. Brown. And we here we come a small budget in, independent film, um, trying to um, you know make our mark. But I think they realized that we had something to say and that they themselves had a direct connection to the material and to the subject matter of of the project and so they it, it was great it was it was invaluable having actors not only who believed in us and we you know we ended up becoming like a little family um but it was great having actors who had that direct connection that that um you know experience within the black church themselves mm-hmm. to draw on and bring really that authenticity to to the project yeah for sure and, and as producers they really they looked at multiple cuts of the film. Oh, yeah, they, they gave were notes. Like they they were working. And and I, one of the things I found the most valuable was just how nurturing they yeah. were. Like this was our first feature film, and they did everything possible to to ensure that they could that they could help us succeed. It was mm-hmm. it it was I, I love it. I would hundred percent work with them again in oh, any yeah. capacity. Yeah. Yeah. We um we talk to a lot of lot more um, writers than we do with other type of artists, but one of the things that we always seem to talk about is like the gatekeeping that happens within anything that you are trying to pursue, right? And so it really speaks a lot when you have somebody who is of that status who's like, yes, I'll be in your project, and then I'm going to help you and give you notes and and guide you through this whole process of, you yeah. know, making this project that you all want to do. Um, I wish that a lot more people operated that way. We would be a lot more further in seeing what is out there in the world yeah. that people have in their homes, but we're glad that you were able to get get yours made what's what is it like to be around all that black black greatness <laughs> with all of these writers I mean not writers but actors it's invigorating yeah it, is. it feels it feels good it, mm-hmm. it makes you feel like you took the right chances that mm-hmm. you definitely deserve to be here and that we just we need more of it yeah mm-hmm. and I when I was listening to some of y'all's interview with them they were just so open and so accepting of like you know maybe Adama had some 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 direction of what the scene might be looking like but it was not like the direction where Regina and Sterling were thinking and yet they were very very open and to be like okay let's do it your way and they end up loving it and it's like you know that that humility and that acceptance of your of your work probably is also very very like special I don't know it's like you, you you guys picked such a great like team and you can see it in the film like the cinematography of it the the 
just the act like little bits of like they're looking at each other or just like the camera placement like I think made you know and and just the writing made it really really like effective at least for me because I'm like you know I'm looking at from an outsider's perspective and Mm -hmm. I think it really gave me a a bigger picture I'm like you know I've been in the south for like I don't know how long now (laughs) Uh, for let's say like two maybe like 10 15 (laughs) nobody's counting I'm 35 so (laughs) and and when I when I got here I was a full I was a full-blown adult so for me seeing films like this you know I'm just hearing it like from from Veronica and being around people down here too but like seeing a movie like this I feel I felt like I was a churchgoer and you know Sterling K Brown was my pastor (laughs) (laughs) my first lady and then like you know those phone calls like you know they were like oh you know the pastor was like this oh the first lady was like like I'm a I'm gonna be on that phone and also give my <laughs> you calling in yeah yes I, I I'll give you my two cents about about this about this shenanigan so I I felt like I was I was part of that like community and I think picking them as like the main characters of this like you know them as like the actors as the main characters of this movie was very very effective mm. so yeah. I just I I know people probably have already told that but you know coming from somebody that's like a little bit a little bit a different shade of brown (laughs) (laughs) but there's there's a couple more people that was involved in your film Mm -hmm. aka danielle kalua Kalua. (laughs) and riley yeah how did that how did that come about with you all uh getting under their guiding hand as well yeah it um it was because uh the an earlier version of the script mm-hmm. did the Sundance screenwriting intensive which is part of their like feature program lab uh initiative and um they do they do like a um a Sundance alum type of networking session when you do these labs and so they invite people who have also done the labs who have gone to the festival that type of thing right and um that's where we met them is they yeah. were they were there at, at um the the networking mixer and I think they were really intrigued by the title they were like oh this is this sounds weird what is this um and then you know we got introduced and um ended up uh setting a time to grab coffee and we all just really really clicked creatively and on a personal level and it just it was off to the races from there Hmm. so in the words of her Majesty Zora Neale Hurston, <laughs> uh, in their eyes of watching God, which is Veronica's favorite book, she has a tattoo of it in her yes. eyes. <laughs> she said that the black woman is the mule of the world, as far as I can see. First Lady Trinity Childs, she was kind of like to me was the poster child of the statement, though she is complicit to the mistakes of her husband. She's trying to balance this persona of like, I'm the dutiful wife while suffering on her own on the inside. Um, She's trying to solve her husband's problems and taking the repercussions of his actions as her own as well. Um, She's just trying to keep it all together. So your movie left the the viewers guessing what she would do at the end. Um, What do you envision for her 
moving forward, um, Adama. And do you think she would still be stuck with this bullshit? <laughs> um, uh, I, I guess it's twofold, right? I, I, what I envision for her is what I envision for the audience, is, and that's for them all to leave this asking more questions. Um, I feel like if you don't question things, that's how you become complicit. That's how power continues to go unchecked. Um, and that's how we, you know, awful people continue to reign and have free will over, over others. And so uh, I, I really want Trinity and everyone to just be like, ask why a little more mm -hmm. or, or, you know, ask, ask, well, what happened over here a little more? Like, if it doesn't feel right, if it doesn't look right, if it doesn't like settle right in your soul, like ask a couple of questions. Um, but she's probably there for the procedure. But she's future. there. I, I think she that not, there's she's not going nowhere. You know, she, she, you know, Trinity mentions in the film that like she's part of this. Like she helped build this. This is this also is hers. equally hers. This is hers. And so I think that while she's like probably mentally and emotionally never going to be the same, physically she's not going anywhere. Right. Because she said, "Bring me back." <laughs> you know, bring me back to the stage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Wanted to go back, and I'm glad that you said that. This that saying that this was hers and I think a lot of times when we look at instances not only in the church but just maybe like in the political scene where you see you know like take for instance like Bill Clinton that comes to mind and his whole scandal right and you see his wife standing right beside him through all of that and people are always like why didn't she just leave yeah. and I think it goes to what you all were saying of like she helped build this man like she helped build this because she had goals of like, you go first and then I'll come. She's been trying to be president for a long time. So, you know, I'm sure that she probably thought if I were to leave, then my chances of gaining this presidency would, would be shot. Oh yeah, for sure. It's Especially back then. Hillary was damned if she did, damned if she didn't, that's honestly. True. Just because, you know, no. that's how we set up. This, that's how this country is set up, set up to, to view and to treat women. Um, but you're right. It's It's like, those are the tough choices. We can easily, on the outside looking into things, um, we can easily say, like, if that were me, I would have left. Mm -hmm. But if honestly, if I built, because uh, what Trinity and Lee Curtis put together is like a it's multi million empire. dollar empire. Yeah. If I helped build that, I'm not leaving my shit. You know, like it, it's it's a it's a complicated duality, really, to mm -hmm. to exist in that space. And I, I don't know that I can fault trinity for staying yeah because yeah. i i am married i don't have millions of dollars like them <laughs> pastors but you know it's kind of like you you tried so so hard to give your life your energy mm -hmm. knowledge because she was saying i am the brains mm -hmm. of the operation i make this stand you're just the face yeah so you know she was like this is mine and i when she said that i'm like i heard I heard a lot because I'm like, it's going to be a lifetime for her to kind of like adjust mm -hmm. and just accept, accept everything. Yeah. Uh, homosexuality is a taboo within the black church. We all know this. <laughs> um, and so we, we spoke to an author named Brian Broom a few months ago um, and about his memoir about um, his experiences in his own life growing up gay while being in the church. Why did you all choose that as a critical aspect of Lee Curtis Child's character and how it speaks to the complexities of this idea of how to be a black man persona? 
Yeah, I, I think there's a, a few aspects to that. I mean, first, I think it's Black men are very limited in a lot of ways that other people aren't. Um, they're not allowed to be a lot of things. Um, and uh, it, it's also because because this is, we want to emphasize that this is how you breed discontentment. This is how you breed damage um, is by not allowing people to be themselves. Um, you know, Lee Curtis was a narcissist and was probably born a narcissist and will always be a narcissist. But if he would have been able to feel like he had the freedom to be more of himself, you know, maybe it wouldn't have resulted in, in him abusing power. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? At least not in that way. Um, and, and, and we really just wanted to give a voice um, in various ways, not just through Lee Curtis, but, but through the Khalil character um, uh, for, for people who feel like they don't, you know, sexually conform to what the good word says that you're supposed to be or what the good word, people purport the good word to say that you're supposed to be, but still feel very Christian, like mm -hmm. still believe in this, still love God, still love the church. Um, we wanted to highlight that, like, it isn't working this way. And, and we have to allow people to, to just be. Are you currently looking for a bookstore that has a great selection of books? Well, Kizzy's Books and More is that bookstore. Visit www.kizzy'sbooksandmore.com to purchase your next book for our book club. Use coupon code VULGARGENIUS to receive 10% off the subtotal of your first order. There is a particular scene where uh, the pastor is out in front of the church, kind of like working through his sermon. Mm -hmm. And he's approached by a young man who was a member of his church. And he was just, you know, t telling him thank you for, for what... Uh, he gave to him while he was able to go there. Um, will you talk a little bit about that that particular scene and and um, why you chose to have it in in the movie that that kind of more heartfelt moment of yeah. work that he did while he was in the church? Yeah, uh, because I wanted Lee Curtis and the work that he contributed to the community to feel real. Um, a lot of these pastors, they really as the ones even the ones who have done awful things there's a reason why they have been able to be elevated to a position of power and that's because people truly believe in them people mm -hmm. truly believe what they're saying believe what they're doing and feel that personal connection to them and i wanted to show that you know it's there is an element of this that has a positive impact on people's lives um, and and it's it's murky and it's gray because people are complex and multifaceted, um, but that this is very true and very real and very beautiful to a lot of people. And a lot of people hold these figures to such high esteem that they must do better. Like it's so that's why it's so necessary to have mm -hmm. them do better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this film wrestles with um, what it would look like. Um, you know to look at the church like with a critical eye right because y'all were saying like you know we we have to question things we have to ask why and maybe how um why was it important to highlight this blind fate and cult-like following 
um, attitude that's very, very common to the religious, especially, and I think most especially to, to people of color. Yeah, I think because the blind faith is, is, is what is one of the things we struggled with the most. We didn't, we didn't like being discouraged to not to ask questions when it came to faith, when it came to church. And we were, we were not, we just weren't those type of kids. We wanted to understand why certain things, like if I'm, if I'm devoting myself um, the way one tends to devote themselves to religion, I want to understand and know why. And if you're telling me as, you know, as a faith leader that something is bad or that I shouldn't do something, I just, you know, it's natural human inclination to want to know why. Um, and when you don't ask those questions, when people just have blind faith, then that is again, kind of like a recipe for disaster. That's how people are able to, to have unchecked leadership and unchecked power. And that's how you have corruption. Um, and so that, that was very important for us to highlight is, is that you can have, we, you can have faith. I feel like we have faith. We're spiritual people, but it's not blind. We're going to check stuff. We're going to call things out. Yeah. The I'm a stick beside him mentality helps nobody. It helps nobody. Right. 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 We, uh, we, we talked to uh, an author and a theologian named Dante Stewart, not too long ago, back in October. And his, his book dealt with his own journey through his, um, internalized self-hatred and anti-blackness that he was dealing with uh, mm. going to a predominantly white church and mm. then finally coming to has having his coming to Jesus moment much later once a lot of the police brutality stories started to hit but even then when those were coming he still was like denying that that had anything to do with color wow and, um, so, you know, like him having to work through that, that struggle and him coming to a sense of stuff really speaks to him, as he says, that there needs to be this liberation within the church to be really honest about what, what it is about who you are and to question those, those things within the church and having that safe space to be able to do that. And a lot of times, like you say, you know, you, you, if you were to ask somebody in church, why we got to do that? they're going to tell you because it's in the Bible and that's what God told us and leave it at that. And it's like a child, a little child who you're telling to stop doing something. They ask you why. And you tell them, because I said, so that's not enough. They're going to, that's what, what are we doing? So I think we're doing an injustice, you know, within the church to not have those deep conversations and just be like, okay, let's really take this apart and talk about why are we struggling with, with these matters. Right. Girl, let me tell you, I had in Sunday school one year, they were, they were teaching us why you need to abstain from sex until marriage. And so I, and I was young, I was like, maybe like eight or nine or something, but I was, I knew what sex was like conceptually. And I asked, well, what counts as sex? And I got in trouble for it. I was like, wait, I'm just trying to understand so that y'all tell me not to do something. I need to know what I'm not supposed to do, mm-hmm. you know? And I could, I got in trouble for that. And I was just like, you know, that's how it's just, it's just that, that, that inability or unwillingness to foster questions mm-hmm. in institutions like that is or critical thinking or critical even. thinking even is just, is, is just, it does no good. It does us no favors. None whatsoever. Uh, bless your heart. <laughs> 
when it's uttered by a southern woman um it's hand down one of the meanest things that you that can <laughs> oh, yes. um of aggressiveness oh as, yeah uh, as a talent of southerners yes yes <laughs> i think it was born out of the south uh, so will you talk to us about that dynamic scene uh, between <laughs> Regina's character and her former uh, congregational member uh, while they're in the mall? Yeah, I, I really, I really wanted a scene that, that really emphasized almost like the the mundane stress that you feel when you go to church and like mm-hmm. and it, it has absolutely nothing to do with god it has nothing to do with the sermon it has to do with like with how the community often fosters itself and, yeah. and oftentimes there, there are definitely moments where it feels good to be in that community but there's like there's just so much strangeness it, it's like nobody is saying what they actually mean. Um, it, 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 it's, it's, it feels like it feels like almost speaking and understanding another language. Mm-hmm. And it was a cultural element that felt important to include to the, in the film. Um, I think specifically because of the of how I was approaching telling the story, where you know we're definitely playing with what's true, what's not true, um, what's understood, what's spoken, and that to me that's just the epitome of of that sort of conversational duality where it's like you're saying one thing but you mean a different thing mm-hmm. and you're presenting a certain way um I, I think it just definitely adds to to the to the complex nature of of this community yeah those social interactions yeah that's another layer of like you know that film that it's kind of like another character in, yeah in the film because it's like you would you're you're put into these positions maybe also by like by choice because you chose to go to this church you chose mm-hmm. to you know you, you just want to try to belong to look for like you know direction in life and yet there's this like you said this layer of like you know trying to fit in in that other language of like it's almost kind of like that conversation needed a whole other subtitle <laughs> of what yeah. it really meant <laughs> and that like laughter when like even the inflections of laughter from both ladies mm. <laughs> you know that you know when she was like <laughs> like fuck you too you know <laughs> yeah. yeah it's a whole it's a whole different ball game it's, it's, um yeah it's it, it, i don't know I, I think it goes back to to what we were talking about before um with uh in in, in regards to to like what's to asking questions, um, I I have no idea, or it just makes it immensely more difficult to ask questions and get a sincere or truthful answer if people aren't communicating with you yeah. in a true way, clearly, yeah. or clearly even if they're if they're presenting one way or 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 saying one thing but having this undercurrent or undertone of something else, it's yeah. like you got to dig through all of that to get to the truth. Like all, everything's veiled. It's, it's like, like come on, how. Uh, what questions do I even know to ask mm-hmm. at that point? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know that, you know, I used to be a teacher and, and sometimes we have these conversations with students who spoke another language and they would just say how hard English was. And, it, it, you know, as I sit and I think about it, especially within this conversation, it's because there's always this undertone of us not meaning what we're saying. We never oh. mean what we say. And so, you know, like having to decipher 
what everybody is telling you? Like, is it, is it, are they, do they truly mean bless your heart? Like they, yeah, they right. care for me or is this something else? And so it really dives into what trust is, especially within the church of like, can you always trust the people who are supposed to be leading you to the heavenly gates? <laughs> so um, this question is for Adane. After leaving law school, you find yourself pursuing a new path of producing um, by helping your sister raise money to get her short film made. Choosing to make that switch from law to producing um, what were the things that you had to learn about that particular part of the industry that you didn't know coming in? Oh, uh, I will say that um, before I was able to do this full time, I was working as a business affairs executive, uh, business and legal affairs executive in, in within the industry, like I worked at a studio. And so while I was getting like, you know, developing my producerial skills, I was also at the same time working in a capacity that was allowing me to learn a lot about the business side of the industry. Um, and so those things almost went hand in hand in tandem. Um, but I think one of the things that um, I learned the most about was about like TV and film financing and sales, which is something that is not like the, it's not the sexiest part of the industry, but it's an integral part of of arguably one of the most necessary parts arguably one of the because that's if without, you can't finance it you can't get it made and if you can't sell it nobody gonna see it exactly exactly mm -hmm. um and so um that's something that that um i really really learned a lot about and i learned a lot about because uh sales and, and financing is kind of directly correlated to the festival route, the festival circuit. Um, I learned a lot about that as well. I learned a lot about which festivals are good for what type of films and what buyers prioritize what type of films at different festivals. And, and, and just that whole dichotomy that a lot of, a lot of people just don't know about, even within the business. Yeah. Um, uh, it I was, learned from her. Yeah. And even though I, I like, I came to the industry before her, because uh, I went to film school, like, I was learning all of that stuff from her. Yeah. So that that was a, a big thing that I didn't know would be an integral part of our, our careers uh, mm -hmm. um, until I got in it. And I'm honestly grateful for, for, for knowing it. Adana, what was the hardest part probably of like being the producer of your like sister's film? Hmm, the hardest part. Um probably the fact that so when you're on a film set the director is that is like at the top like everyone is doing everything possible to make sure that the director can cultivate their vision right and which means people people want to be able to talk to her and want to be able to um communicate with her but it's impossible or else she would just have literally 50 people talking to her at once all the time and she wouldn't be able to get anything done and so because we're twins and because we're so close, I ended up being the conduit for that. Um, and so, which I, I was happy, I was happy to do because I was, and honestly, it, it ended up working really well because not only was I there with Adama, like at the monitor, um, the vast majority of the time I went everywhere she went. I was all, always um, attuned to all the other uh, dynamics happening on set as well. And so it was difficult kind of like, balancing those things and serving as that conduit but i it, i think it actually works the it, it works, works for, for me it works for us yeah <laughs> and i'm not allowed to talk to nobody 
Uh, Adama, what was your what was the first film that you watched that made you decide that you wanted to take this up as as a career, as a director and a writer? Ooh, um, as a director and a writer, just we we've just loved film forever. But what was the first one that like that made you? They're probably oh I know. So I, I went. I, I I was a writer before I was a director. So it's probably two different movies. That's yeah. Um, for writing, it was Juno. Yes. Um, I was and am obsessed with that movie. I think it's spectacularly written. It's the first screenplay you write. It's the right? first screenplay that I actually I was like I need to know how this was written. What mm-hmm. screenplays look like? It was the first screenplay that I ever laid eyes on. Um. And it was just so, it's something that I, it's it's something that I really love about some of my favorite screenwriters is like, they, these people sound real, but also sound highly specific. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love, and I think, and I think Diablo Cody does that phenomenally with the Juno script. Um, and then probably the movie that made me want to direct is a movie that I grew up watching constantly, but after I came to screenwriting is, is, a movie and a director that I just kept finding myself coming back you saw, to. Where you I was watched like, it differently with like a director. I watched it differently. Lens. I was like, oh, this is the reason why I see stories visually mm-hmm. is um, Kiki's Delivery Service by Hayao Miyazaki. I love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Hayao Miyazaki is my favorite director, animated or live action. Um, we're big anime people, yeah. but um, I just think he it, he's a, a perfect director. <laughs> like can Go visually on. do no wrong. When I when when I went to Japan, because that's like my ultimate country to visit. I went there for my honeymoon. I dragged oh. my hus- I dragged my husband all two weeks of it there. Um, that's a good and, idea. That's yeah. what me and Rashad want to do. That's what I me and Marcus want to do. <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> see, it's fantastic. You're gonna love things. Um, that's a whole different podcast. But, um, we. I was so upset because they he does have a little like studio there. You can visit all the stuff. You can visit like like Totoro, everybody, everything that he has made. But they were all like sold out. Oh, like you, you have to book it like I think two months or three months in advance. So heads up if if you're doing it, because I, I think you should. I'm like having goosebumps. Just remember <laughs> I, I was upset, but I'm like, I I'm a I'm an eternal procrastinator. This is what I get. <laughs> Until next time, Japan. Um, yeah, uh, my uh, Spirited Away is my favorite. Oh yeah, my favorite movie. Yeah, the Spirited Away poster, like right there. It's like on the floor. I don't know. It's behind this. Thing. Oh, it's this one. <laughs> right now. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes. It was it was um it was a gift honestly from like one of my exes um but it was a birthday gift or Christmas one of those and it, it's one of the original posters that they had in the movie theater in Japan so it's mm-hmm. in Japanese you can see like kind of like the the finger smudges of people taking it down and putting it up I'm obs- I love yeah. it <laughs> uh, one of the most prized possession yes and my son is obsessed with my neighborhood Totoro uh, we oh, yeah. every day for like a good too much i love it i love it raising them right (laughs) you you, you got to you got to pass on the culture and the love absolutely absolutely so now that this movie is out in the world and one of the most in-demand movies at sundance sundance film festival how was this journey for you all how has it been and what is the most unbelievable thing that has happened to you both since i guess within the last few days 
<laughs> last few days. I mean, it's it's been a wild ride. It's been mm-hmm. filled with joy and and exhaustion equally. Um, but I I wouldn't have had it any other way. I wouldn't have wanted any other story to be our feature film debut. Mm-hmm. Um, it it felt right. It felt like the right the right one. Yeah. Um, I don't know that anything's crazy that's had it's truthfully we haven't even been we haven't since, had a ton of time to process on Sunday. Yeah. Um a, but um I'm trying to think a lot of emails. A lot <laughs> oh I bet <laughs> I'm surprised that y'all answered mine because I know like this is a very busy time for y'all. And when I got a reply I'm like oh snap so let I mean, me tell like, you yes, we got in what I do I, I do look I I do look at, um, sometimes some things slip through the cracks, but when people reach out to us, I do go to the website and I, the first thing I'm looking for, I'm like, is this women or people of color? Cause if so, then that I'm prioritizing that. Yeah. And that's how it is. Check that box. We yes. That Cause box. that's why we do this podcast. We want to highlight people of color and only people of color. Cause yeah. They they got they got their own thing. Oh, they got they they have plenty of coverage. They have all the things. Yeah, they, they have, have exactly. Thank you, ma'am. They have all the things. So <laughs> we we specifically want writers of colors, creators, directors, producers of color to grace our show. And you know, this is a dream of mine because when we started all of this, this initially was just like a book club between her and I. Was it? And I'm mm. like, what if we made a podcast? And so. We were reading these books and talking about them on the podcast. And I, why don't we talk about movies? Because I love TV more than she does. Like, she's all about the books, but I'm about the television. So we were always, you know, reviewing a movie. But having this moment right now with you all, like, melts my heart to be able to talk to people who create those things that I love watching. So I just want to say thank you at the bottom of my heart as a moviegoer and lover of what it is that you all are doing. Uh, we have two questions left. And one is, um, <laughs> so in Outcast's infamous acceptance speech at the 1995 Source Awards, <laughs> Andre 3000 coined one of the most important statements ever made, and that was the South got something to say. Uh, this year, it has become my goal to talk to creators of all forms of art that have their roots based in the South and are Black. And as being the product of one of the most prominent cities that has has and is so central to the lives of Black people in the United States, Atlanta has given birth to so many who have carved their presence into the American lexicon. What do you want to say about the city that raised you? Ooh. Um, thank, first of all, that's a great question. That's a great question. I, I love Andre Three Steps. Yeah, I mean, yes. um, <laughs> I would say that I want to say that we we have so much to say. Like, I I I I want people to know that the stories aren't just about Jim Crow or slavery or black trauma. We have stories about about love and about humor and about weirdness it's one of the reasons why i love art art about art food definitely food um it's one of the reasons why i love the tv show atlanta because i was like that's what atlanta feels like Mm -hmm. to me Mm -hmm. like that's the atlanta that i know absolutely and so i i just i want to say that like the south is so much more than than y'all think Mm -hmm. so much more i truthfully i want to see maybe we should do this i want to see like a a show or a movie that's set 
in a high school like where we went to because like seeing seeing schools on tv it, it felt like fake it felt like not real because that was not our high school not our school going experience you know yeah. I I want people to realize that like the south specifically Atlanta but the south as a whole it's more than just like the southern bell tropes that y'all know it's right. so much more always more always more and uh I'll let you ask the last question so we we always ask this to all of our guests um, but now since we have um, filmmakers and artists in our <laughs> presence, um, so we want to ask this for you both specifically. So we can start with Adane, mm-hmm. um, your other top five films, or if you all read, it can be comic books, it can be anime, the top five things that you would, oh, Adama is like panicking. <laughs> <laughs> Which one are you gonna do? Top five? Is it just my five or are yes, yes ma'am? Okay, well, my number one thing on earth is Avatar the Last Airbender. That's my number one thing on earth. Um <laughs> I think uh I'm gonna say um Whiplash, the film Whiplash. Which one? The full length or the short? The full length. I mean, the short was great too, but the full length really like knocked the wind out of me, like threw me for a loop. Are you are you doing like top five like media like TV and film? Is that what you're doing? Yeah, and okay. books. Oh, and you're gonna do books, books as well. Yeah, okay. um, I'm gonna say um, a series of unfortunate events, the book series. Mm-hmm. That's three. That's three. Uh, video games. I'm gonna say Kingdom <laughs> Hearts. Mm. That's four. That's four. Ah, this is tough. This is not inclusive. This is not inclusive. Of That's other. okay. Um, yeah. You're just picking your loves. I know. I got to put a Disney film in there. Um, Hercules. Disney. Yes. Hercules. Yes. <laughs> yes. Sorry. The muses. That's all. That's all. I can't wait for them to make that alive. That look, yeah, they don't have to come with this it. It's really though. the only one they needed to do. Yeah, it really yeah. is. Oh yeah, oh yeah. All yeah. right, so Adama, what's what's your? T- you had some time to think. What's your time? I had a little bit of time, and it still wasn't enough. Um, I'm gonna say Kiki's Delivery Service, 100. percent Um, I'm gonna say Fargo, the television series. Yeah. Um. I'm going to say Tekken as a video game. Yes. Video game. Um, God, books are so hard. Books are so it's, This is all hard. Oh, shit. I got on a goofy movie. I got on a Powerline shirt. I didn't even say goofy. <laughs> oh, it's a goofy. Oh, my I'll, say, I'll say That's goofy. Black Cinema classic yeah, movie that's, that's right Black there. That's Black Cinema. Black Cinema. That's Black Cinema. Cinema. I'll say a goofy movie. That's four. Um uh gosh i'm like thinking of like um do an anime oh you did kiki i did kiki i'm trying to think of a book and i want to think of like a a a good one like uh this book this really niche book called uh jesse and jesus and cousin claire oh yeah now that's oh lord girl let me get the author because like that is a blackity black it's black and it's and it's and it's hilarious and it's dark as hell and 
I, obviously there's like a bit of a church yeah, element. Should we, should we adapt this? Can we I thought it? about it, but I already made a movie with Jesus. Oh, and yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's by by. Uh, oh, oh you just you're just linking them to it. Yeah, I finished putting. In the oh, chat. but we should say it. It's oh, by yes. Raymond Andrews. Yes, Raymond okay. Andrews. Okay, duly noted. That's like he right up. Pick that one up. Right up our alley. Yeah. Have y'all read um the Secret Lives of Church Ladies? Have y'all heard about it? You I've heard, heard about it. it. I about haven't it. read it yet. It's this small. You can take your time. You can <laughs> a few hours. Shoot, give me your address and I'll send it to you because it is. Oh, yeah, so yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. It is so good. Root you gotta for, read it. Root for our girl Jael. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> but you, the stories. It's written by Disha Filia. Um, her book got picked up by Tessa Thompson's publishing uh, production companies. That's why I know. That's it. why yeah. we know yeah. it. Yeah. It's coming to you. Thank yes. you. It's gonna come to you. So we're excited. We did it. Like I'm just curious. Like if I want to watch some anime, yeah, I do. <laughs> what do I need to watch? It can be a collective effort. Mm. Are you so? Are you an anime novice? Have you watched a lot of anime before? You watched with Miyazaki. Besides Miyazaki, I've watched. I've watched other things. Okay. Okay. What's a good one that's happening that's like current? I I think oh. that you would probably enjoy Spy Family. Spy mm. Family. It's really it's really really funny, but also like heartfelt, and it's it's a like it's a spy genre parody um, about this guy who is like a spy slash like hitman, and he's like trying to like infiltrate uh, this this like main big boss's um business and he does it by having like a fake wife who is also an assassin and trying to kill him and they get like a fake daughter yes. as well it's wild what yeah. where do you watch it what streaming service is that oh so i don't know the anime hasn't been released yet it's a manga oh, oh like, okay. i thought about that i was like sorry so spy family is a manga and the anime is yeah. about to be released I, I would say i would say b stars which you can watch on netflix. is on netflix okay. um it's very it's it's kind of it's got action it's got romance but what what uh part of what makes it really interesting is that they're these like anthropomorphic animals they are the ca- characters it's kind of like uh bojack horseman if you know oh shit bojack <laughs> Okay. On our list. It is what it is. Oh God! Y'all see that? That's so hard. Yes. <laughs> so hard. But um, but B Stars is really really interesting because it deals with it deals with complex kind of like thematically um, it deals with like marginalized groups and oppressive cultures and oppressive natures, but they do it through animals but animals that are anthropomorphic though because they they like stand up right they have hands and feet but there's like this class division between like carnivores and omnivores mm. um and you know there's a history back in the day of like the carnivores used to eat the omnivores and so now like now they all coexist equally but there's still like the undercurrent of of that oppressiveness that used to be back in the day Ooh, um <laughs> Oh yeah, it's yeah, kind of it's, like, it yeah. is kind of, but it's a, it's, it's a little more, it's brutal. grittier, it's, it's a little more gritty, it's grittier. It's adult, than, like it's more adult. Yeah, than, yeah, it's it's. Grittier. I also say if you're looking for something just like kind of off the wall wild, it's one of the animes where I'm like, I 
if someone is around who's not familiar with anime, this is probably the anime that I don't want them to see me watching because it's going to be like, what the hell is this? I, I'm going to say Food Wars. Oh, Food Wars. Yeah. Oh, let me tell you about, <laughs> you got me into Food Wars. That was some of the craziest shit I have ever you watched. Can't, you can't, you can't even explain it. You can't even explain you, it. You can't even I, just drop in on an episode. I'm, I'm not like, what is- at it though. I no, mean, I love the wars. Yeah, it's I, great. I love it. I love it. Me and my husband will like geek out about it. I'm like, do those haters goodbye? <laughs> <laughs> I think there's this black girl that I follow. I need to check her Instagram, but I think she was trying to make all of the food from that television show. Yes. Oh, I think she lives in Chicago. Is that it? Well, first of all, there is a black girl who's opened the first anime cafe in Chicago. Oh, so maybe I have to make my way about. back there. And, and oh, wow. Now. Yes. Oh, I'm also dropping another one. Michiko and Hachin. Y'all would, yeah, y'all, I think y'all would love. Start with that one. Start with Michiko and Hachin, yes. I would say. Yes. It's by, it's by um, Sayo Yamamoto. Adana's going to put the title of it in the chat. It's by Sayo Yamamoto. She, like, got her start uh, directing episodes of, like, Cowboy Bebop. So it's, like, very much like that sort of aesthetic. But it's two, like, female lead characters. One of them is to me, very clearly a black woman. Yeah. And her nemesis is also a black woman, but it's not like, it's not like weird or, or like catty. No, no, no. Um, they powerful. It's, it's, it's like set in this fictional world where folks speak like Spanish kind of sometimes. Portuguese, Portuguese. Is it Portuguese? I think so. Um, it's, it's phenomenal. I cried at the end of it. It's, it's, uh, Okay. Now, that's one is not too long. It's not too long. Yeah, you know, some animes be six hundred episodes, and it's like yeah, Michiko Hatchin. Season like, one. Yeah, Michiko Hatchin is twenty-two. I think. Yeah, it's twenty-two it's or tight. twenty-six. Yeah, it's tight season. I mean, after you've told me about Food Wars, you can tell me about anything. <laughs> <laughs> I watch it, like you know, there's a there's a specific type of people that can watch anime, but I think there's a more specific type of people that can stand Food Wars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Very true. Very true. Well, ladies, thank you so much for coming onto our podcast. We again, we are so appreciative, and congratulations again to you on your project. And we can't wait to see what comes in the in the in the years and years that I know that your careers will be very very long. So thank you again, and go get you some rest. I hope you have nothing else <laughs> yes. planned for the day. Yeah, but, this is the last thing for the day. This is it. Well, so last scheduled thing. For yeah, the day. so we're we'll gonna see. take a nap. Yeah. <laughs> that's gonna be a good nap that's gonna be a good one it is. all right well take care y'all thank you bye. so much thank bye. you y'all bye if you haven't heard about anchor by spotify it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place let us explain Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started.